book of Mark chapter 1. This morning we're going to be finishing up chapter 1 as we look at verses 40 through 45. Verses 40 through 45. The tag for today's message is the God who makes us clean. The God who makes us clean. As we look at this passage this morning in these five verses, what we're going to see is a account of Jesus cleansing a leper. And in doing so, I believe it's going to be an encouragement to our hearts this morning as really it's a glorious display of the gospel, of what the gospel is. So if you'll join me, Mark chapter 1, verse starting in verse 40, the Bible says, Now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus, moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. As soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. And he strictly warned him and sent him away at once and said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go your way, show yourself to the priest and offer your cleanse for your cleansing those things which Moses commanded as a testimony to them. However, he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the matter so that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city, but was outside in deserted places, and they came to him from every direction. If you would, join me in a word of prayer, and then we'll dive into the text. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that as we open your word this morning, that you would challenge us, encourage us, penetrate our hearts, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would give me clarity of speech, that you would empty me of self and fill me with your spirit, Lord, that you would hide me behind the cross. God, that as we look at your word, that you would be glorified. Jesus will be made big, Lord. I pray if there's anybody here this morning that has a heavy heart, anybody here this morning that needs to hear some good news, that you would just encourage them and just help them to see the glorious good news of the gospel. Lord, we love you and thank you for all you do in Christ's name. Amen. For almost three years now, really, the entire world has been immersed in and changed by the COVID-19 pandemic. If there was one thing the COVID-19 pandemic brought among many, one was a a heightened awareness of things that are unclean. In the early stages of the pandemic, there was a horde of people, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it was none of you, that were going and were stocking and taking all of the hand sanitizer and the disinfectant spray and the Clorox wipes and wiping out the shelves at all the stores. And we became so obsessed with trying to keep everything clean and, you know, spraying things off before we sat down, spraying the tables off so that we didn't get sick. Even today, if someone starts to cough or if we know that somebody's sick, often myself included, I'll go behind them with a can of disinfectant spray. You know, I'm not trying to be rude. I'm just not trying to get sick, right? The thing about the COVID-19 pandemic, though, was not only was there a heightened awareness of surfaces, that were unclean, but there was also great fear and isolation of those who became unclean or those who ended up sick with this 
virus. I remember, I, I know that y'all remember too, especially in the early days, walking around and you had to cough and your veins are popping out of your head because you don't want to cough in front of anybody to make them think that you've caught COVID. During COVID, those who did become sick with it were isolated from loved ones. They were oftentimes quarantined and separated from friends and family members. We locked them in rooms. Those that ended up going to the hospitals weren't able to have anybody visit them. The only type of interaction they could have was through FaceTime or a phone call. For those who suffered from COVID, I don't have a doubt in my mind that during their time of sickness, they were left to feel unclean, unwanted, and unloved. And the reason I bring this up this morning is to try to help us get a glimpse on a, on a micro scale, really, into the life of a leper. For those that are new to church or for those that may not be extremely familiar with Scripture, the word leper or, or a person who has been plagued by the disease of leprosy may not be one that's familiar to you. Leprosy is not something that we see today, especially in American society. You know, if you're a person like me that's kind of weird and knows random facts, you may know that possums and armadillos carry leprosy. But other than that, that that's probably the extent of your knowledge about leprosy. But thanks to modern medicine and thanks to antibiotics, leprosy, which is a skin disease and now is known as Hansen's disease, is virtually non-existent. Really, the only places where they still struggle with this is in a lot of third world countries and over in Africa and in Asia. But during Jesus's time, things were a whole lot different. Leprosy was perhaps the most dreaded and most feared disease in all of scripture because it was highly contagious and it was incurable. Once you caught leprosy, there was nothing that anybody could do for you. Leprosy was destructive to the body. It would start as fatigue and then it would turn into pains and sores in your muscles and your bones. And then next thing you know, you would begin to have white spots that would begin to cover your body from head to toe. And these spots would turn from white to pink to brown and they would begin to harden and they would begin to become scaly and your skin would become almost leather-like in appearance and in touch. Eventually your skin would begin to blister and these bumps that you have all over your body would begin to open, leaving open sores all over your body. They said that the open sores of a leper would give off a distinct smell. So as you're walking around, not only are you full of open sores, but there's this smell that's emitting off of your body as well. Some people say that as the leper would walk, there would be pus that would ooze out of their feet that would leave a trail behind them. The body essentially began to rot. It was decomposing and decaying while the person was still alive. Jewish historian Josephus wrote that lepers were treated as if they were living dead man corpses. In fact, many families would perform funeral rites for those that were sick with leprosy long before their family member, the loved one, even actually passed away. This was obviously a disease, a sickness, a 
malady that was absolutely repulsive. It was one that was greatly feared for good reason. But what made leprosy even worse during biblical times was that the one that was afflicted with leprosy not only suffered physically, they not only had a decomposing, decaying body, but they were also isolated and began to suffer socially and spiritually. You think of the last three years with the COVID-19 pandemic and our response, the way that we act for those that are sick, you know, we distance, we don't want to be near them. We try to keep them as far away as possible. Now magnify this, this kind of thinking times a thousand. During biblical times, leprosy was associated with, with sin. It was often viewed as a curse from God. It was really a physical representation of what sin is and what sin does to a person. Miriam in the Old Testament became leprous because she spoke against Moses' leadership. Joab was cursed with leprosy because he mercilessly killed Abner. And King Uzziah suffered leprosy because he went into the temple of the Lord in order to burn incense. So these persons had a, had a spiritual stigma on them because they were viewed as being punished by God. Obviously, they did something wrong. And if you were suffering with leprosy, then you were kind of pushed to the outskirts of society. Because of this, a person that had leprosy was deemed unclean. Unclean, according to Jewish law, means that you're impure. It means that, that there's a separation. It, it, it means that before God, there's a separation and that anything that was unclean was deemed to be against God. So these leprous people were people that were deemed as unclean. Being unclean, this leper was not able to go to the temple. They were not able to go to the synagogue. They were not able to worship, leaving them feeling distanced from and cursed by God. But being unclean didn't just exclude a person from worship. It excluded them from society as a whole. In Numbers 5, Moses commanded the children of Israel to place all of the lepers outside of the camp. And even as you go to the days of Jesus, what you find is that the lepers would be isolated. They would have leper colonies outside of the city walls where they were near nobody else except for other people that had this same disease. Oftentimes, these leper colonies would be found around city dumps. Because the dump would be one of the only places where they were able to find food and while they, where they were able to find things that they might need. A leper wasn't allowed to come within six feet of another person. If the wind was blowing strong that day, the leper couldn't come within 150 feet of another person, including their family. According to the Mosaic law, the leper had to purposefully rip all of their clothes. They had to make their hair a mess and not cover themselves so that they weren't, uh, so that, so that their, their open sores were exposed. And as they walked and traveled, they had to audibly say, unclean, unclean, so that they weren't able to defile anybody that was near them, so that, so that there was this kind of visible representation of, don't come near me. It said that even the, the Jewish rabbis were known for taking rocks. And the lepers, as they would come near, the Jewish rabbis would throw rocks at the lepers to try to keep them as far away as possible 
from them. Now you step into Mark chapter 1 verse 40. And we find this leper. The bane of society. This outcast. This person that nobody wanted anything to do with. Come to Jesus. At this point in Jesus' ministry, Jesus has started to become somewhat of a local celebrity, per se. Jesus has demonstrated his authority over demons. He has proved his authority over disease, and the word of this miracle-working Jewish rabbi has began to spread throughout all the towns in Galilee. It began to spread throughout the countryside, and everybody is hearing about what Jesus is doing. They're hearing about the compassion that Jesus is having on people that, that, that nobody else is able to heal. And hearing of the wonder-working power of Jesus, this leper in great dire and great need has this, this glimpse of hope in his heart that if there's anybody that may be able to help my situation... He has this this hope in his heart that if there's anybody that can take the shame away from him, it's Jesus of Nazareth. This account of Jesus' interaction with this leper is found not only in the Gospel of Mark, but it's also found in the Gospel of Luke and Matthew, which just kind of highlights the significance of what is about to happen here. In Matthew's account, He tells that this interaction between Jesus and the leper happened after Jesus got done preaching his sermon on the mount. Matthew 8.1 says, when he had come down, speaking of Jesus, when he had come down from the mountain after finished preaching, great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came. As Jesus begins to descend the mountain with his disciples, and there's this great crowd of people that are falling behind him, that are wanting this touch of Jesus, that are wanting to be healed by Jesus, wanting to ask Jesus questions. Somewhere in the distance, there's this leper, and he's watching, and he's waiting. I can imagine the thoughts that are running through his mind as he begins to wrestle with whether or not I should approach Jesus. What is Jesus going to say? What is Jesus going to do? Is Jesus going to be afraid of me like everybody else is? Is Jesus going to be appalled and disgusted by my state? Is Jesus going to push me away? And as he makes up his mind, recognizing his desperate need for help, can you see him? This man that's been rejected by society. This man that has been marginalized, he's been ostracized, he's been pushed to the outskirts. Risk it all. He breaks Jewish law, he breaks Jewish tradition in order to start moving towards Jesus. Can you imagine the great dismay of the crowds? Remember, there's multitudes that are following Jesus. And the crowds, as they begin to hear the faint cry of unclean, unclean, as they begin to smell the decaying flesh on this leper, and as they turn and see his tattered clothes and his open sores, this living zombie, could you imagine their reaction as he comes towards them? I I believe the Bible suggests that 
as this leper started making his way to Jesus, everybody ran. Everybody scattered. In Matthew 8, 1, it says that a multitude was following Jesus. And then you go to Mark 44, it says that after Jesus gets done dealing with this leper, which we'll get to later, that Jesus tells the leper to go and tell no one, which suggests that there's nobody there during this interaction. So this leper begins to limp towards Jesus, and the crowds turn, and they see this leper, and they all run, and they scatter. Can you see Jesus as he stands there, not afraid, not repulsed, not bothered by the plight, not scared of the need of this man? And as this leper makes his way to the feet of Jesus, he throws his body at Jesus' feet and he begins to plead and beg for mercy. Jesus, have mercy on me. He says, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Look at verse 41. Verse 41 says, then Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him. stretched out his hand and touched him. I don't want to just glance over just even that act right there. That Jesus, this this man, I could imagine as he's prostrate on his face, worshiping Jesus, that as Jesus reaches out and touches his shoulder, he's probably shocked. We don't know how long this man's been a leper for. It may have been decades since he's felt the touch of someone. And how Jesus, full of compassion, reaches out and touches him showing him that that he accepts him, showing him that he's not afraid of him, showing him that he is not going to reject him like everyone else does. And as he touches him, he's moved with compassion. In verse 41, he says to him, I am willing, be cleansed. Rather than being repulsed, rather than scorning this leper, rather than yelling at the leper to go away, to get away from him, Jesus is filled with compassion. Listen, there's somebody in here this morning that needs to know that despite what society says to you, despite what your friends and your family may suggest, despite what even Christians and churches may lead you to believe, When you come to the feet of Jesus, when you bring your need, when you bring your sin to Jesus, Jesus is not disgusted. Jesus does not look at you with disdain. Jesus does not say, get away from me. But rather, the heart of Jesus is moved to compassion. Some scholars believe that this phrase, filled with compassion, is probably better translated as being angered. What I want you to understand is that Jesus was not angry with the leper. Jesus was not mad that this man sought him out in his need. He was not upset that this man broke Jewish law and tradition, but rather Jesus is angry at Satan. As Jesus looked at this broken and afflicted man, Jesus recognized that this foul disease was a result of sin. That this this foul disease was a work of the devil. And his anger at sin and compassion for man is the reason that Jesus came to earth in the first place. 
Listen, the Apostle John tells us in 1 John 3 that, that Jesus was born to take away our sins and destroy the works of the devil. Listen, he did not come merely to perform miracles. Jesus did not come so that we could have a good prophet to look at and to follow his example. But rather, Jesus came to stand in your place and to bear your shame and to destroy the works of the devil. So as Jesus looks on this man, his anger at sin and his anger at Satan translates into compassion for the one that is suffering. And compassion brings about action. As Jesus willingly cleanses this leper. Listen, if I may interject, this is the same pattern that should be followed and lived out in our own lives today. That as we watch loved ones, as we watch friends and family members, as we see strangers struggle with sin, as we see them struggle with addiction, as they struggle with diseases, that we wouldn't be like the crowds and run away and look at them with disgust and disdain, but rather that our hearts being moved with compassion would draw near to them and move us to action. So this leper brings his need to Jesus, and Jesus being Jesus meets it instantly and completely. But the story doesn't end there. As you then continue in the text, there is a rather puzzling instruction that is given by Jesus. Look at verse 43 with me. Verse 43, Jesus says, And he strictly warned him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone. But go your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing those things which Moses commanded as a testimony to them. One would think that after such a miracle that Jesus would then turn to this man and say, Now go and tell everyone what the Lord has done. But rather, kind of, in what appears counterproductive, Jesus tells this leper to go and tell no one. And the reason that Jesus tells him to go and tell no one, this is not the first time nor the last time that Jesus kind of has this secrecy about himself is because if you remember in Mark chapter 1 verse 38, Jesus told his followers, he told his disciples that the reason that he came, his purpose for coming was to proclaim the coming of the kingdom of God. See, Jesus didn't want to be known just as merely a miracle worker. And so Jesus knew if this leper went and spread his fame that he would be crowded and more people would come and it would thwart his ministry. And we see in verse 45, that's exactly what happens. But after Jesus tells him, go and and tell no one, he makes an exception. Jesus says, go your way, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing those things which Moses commanded as a testimony To them. Jesus had taken his leprosy and cleansed him. Listen, this man was completely healed. This man had no more sores on his body. This man's sight was returned. This man's skin was smooth as a baby. But according to Leviticus 14, to be considered clean before society, he would have had to go to a council of priests in Jerusalem and they would run a series of tests in order to see if he was actually healed of his leprosy or not. One of the reasons Jesus sends this man before the priest 
is to restore him to his place in society. You know, when Jesus comes and we throw ourselves at the feet of Jesus for cleansing, Jesus doesn't want to just offer us forgiveness. He doesn't want to just cleanse us, but he wants to restore us. He wants to bring us to a place of right standing with God the Father. But that's not the only reason why Jesus sends this man to the priest. Jesus did it for a testimony to them. A testimony declaring the arrival of the Messiah. The Messiah was the promised deliverer that was foretold in the Old Testament scriptures. He is the one that the Jewish priests and the Jewish believers believed to be the anointed one of God. The Messiah was the one who would be sent to redeem and save humanity from sin and bring about God's kingdom on earth. The Jewish priests would have been constantly looking for the Messiah. They would have had their eyes open. They would have been in Scripture. They would have been looking to see if prophecy was being fulfilled. And so as Jesus sends this man to the priest, what he is saying to the to, as what he's saying to them is, I am here. The Messiah has come. In Jesus' ministry, there were three separate messianic miracles or miracles that only the messiah was able to perform and healing a leper was one of them from leviticus 14 to mark 1 there was no recorded healing of a jewish leper naaman was healed of leprosy but he was a syrian gentile Leprosy was the only disease that was not included in the book of rabbinic cures or this this list of cures that the priests would have looked at. Leprosy was not included in that. Leprosy was incurable. They believed that God was the only one that could cure leprosy. So the priests should have recognized that the healing of a leper was a sign that God was present. Listen, the messianic miracle of the healing of the leper validated Jesus's messianic message that the kingdom of God was at hand and that the Messiah had come. Good verse 45. Verse 45, he says, however, he went out and began to proclaim it freely. You know, no matter how we cut it, this man disobeyed Jesus. You know, I guess I kind of understand. I mean, being healed of leprosy, he was probably excited. He was pumped up. He couldn't wait to go tell his friends and family. But at the end of the day, he disobeyed what the Lord told him. And see what happens as a result. It says, Jesus, therefore, could no longer openly enter the city, but was outside in deserted places. And they came to him from every direction the leper went and talked freely about what jesus had done for him and in doing so the leper and jesus switched places the leper is now on the inside he's now in the city with family and friends and jesus is now on the 
outside in a lonely and desolate place. Listen, this picture of substitution, of swapping places, is the heart of the gospel. It's the reason why Jesus came. Jesus came to exchange our sin, to exchange our sorrow, to take our shame and exchange it and swap it for his forgiveness, for eternal life and restored fellowship with God. St. Corinthians 5.21 says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Listen, as we look at the life and ministry of Jesus, Mark reminds us that Jesus is not just a great teacher. Jesus is not just a miracle worker. Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is the Lamb of God that came to take away the sins of the world. And what I want to remind you of this morning is that oftentimes the sin in our life causes us to feel like this leper, isolated from God, unwanted, unloved, and unclean. Sin, like leprosy, causes separation. Sin, like leprosy, starts small. Sin, like leprosy, leaves one feeling ashamed, worthless, hopeless. But when shame surrounds you and sin besets you, be encouraged to know that Jesus, the Messiah, can make you clean. That Jesus can set you free. Listen, before you look at me and say, I don't need to be made clean. I don't live that bad of a life. I think that I do all right. I just want to remind you and and tell you that if your faith and trust is not in Christ alone for salvation, that if you're trusting in your good deeds, you're trusting in how much you gave to church, if you're trusting in your grandma's faith, then before God, you are unclean. Listen, the Bible tells us there is none righteous, no, not one. And that because of your sin, because of your uncleanness before a perfect and clean and holy God, you are condemned to eternal suffering. But like this leper, you can exchange your uncleanness for his cleanness. The Bible says, while the wages of sin is death, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Listen, and for those of you that may be here this morning and you're looking at me and saying, listen, I already know Christ as Savior. I don't need to be cleansed. May I remind you that the power and the truths of the gospel do not cease once you are in Christ. But rather, there is a daily need for forgiveness. Listen, rather, now in Christ, as you walk, you're going to continue to mess up, and there is a daily need to be cleansed. This is why David cries out in Psalms 51.10, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Listen, the gospel by which we are made right with God is the same gospel by which we remain in fellowship with God. As I close this morning, knowing that Jesus is the Messiah, Knowing that Jesus is the Savior of the world, the Lamb of God, the one who takes away our sins, I want us to quickly see through the example of the leper how to be made spiritually clean. If you go back up to verse 40 with me, I'm going to walk through this quickly. And as you look at verse 40, the first step 
to becoming spiritually clean is simply to come. To come. Now a leper came to him. Listen, this man did not let his condition keep him from coming to Jesus. One of the biggest lies that Satan feeds to us is that we are too far gone for God's forgiveness. That Jesus has no more grace left to give us. But can I encourage you this morning that just like this leper, Jesus is not afraid of your flaws and he is not skittish of your failures. You know, so often we're afraid to go to Jesus because we don't doubt the power of Jesus, but we doubt the heart of Jesus. You know, we look, we say, I I know he did it for my grandma. I know he did it for my brother. I know he did it for that man over there, but I just don't know if he's willing to do it for me. You know, we sit there and we say to ourselves, why would God want anything to do with a person like me? We tell the lie straight from hell to ourselves that God does not love us as if our screw-ups make us too far gone from the grace of God. But what I want to remind you this morning is that Jesus did not come for those who need no physician. Jesus did not come for those who are well. He did not come for the saint who lives a perfect and holy life. He did not come for the one that is pious, the one who doesn't need grace, but rather Jesus came for the sick. Jesus came for the ones that know that they're messed up, the ones who knows there's nothing that they can do about it. Listen, Jesus came to take your shame, to take your guilt, and to make you white as snow. Jesus doesn't call you to clean yourself up before you come to him. He simply calls, come, and come now. Then as you continue, you see that after we come, we worship. A leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him. As this leper gets to Jesus, Mark tells us he gets on his knees and starts begging. Luke says he gets on his face. Matthew says he worshiped the Lord. You know, worship expresses a heart of dependence. Worship is the recognition that Jesus is the only one who can make me clean. Listen, when I'm prostrate and I'm worshiping Jesus as I come to him, what I am saying is that, Lord, my hope can only be found in you. Worship is saying that I know that the drugs, I know the alcohol, I know that the money that I make, I know my relationships, I know that my career, that none of those will ever bring me eternal and final hope. I know that those will always fail me. But as I come to the Lord, I say, Lord, I know that you will give me hope that never fails and never ceases. We come, we worship, and we trust. As this leper is on the ground with tears hitting the dirt, he cries out to Jesus, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Listen, this is not a prayer request. He is not asking Jesus, will you make me clean? He is not doubting the power of Jesus, but rather this is a statement of faith. He says, Lord, I know you can do it. He says, you can make me clean. Listen, as you come to Christ humbly, as you come to Christ with worship, as you come to Christ with a dependence on him, trust that the blood of Christ is sufficient to wash away your sins. 
There's nothing that you've done. There's nothing that you will do that the blood of Christ is not able to cover. Not addiction, not lying, not abortion, not murder, not hate, not abuse, not adultery. Nothing. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from what? All unrighteousness. He's faithful and just if we confess our sins to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Listen, as this leper was in dire need physically, us today are in dire need spiritually. And we can and we must go to Jesus to be cleansed. Come, worship, trust.